0: Hello and welcome to this IBSA podcast on the topic of immigration into the UK. My name is Roy Saunders, founder and chairman of the IBSA, the International Business Structuring Association, a multidisciplinary global association of entrepreneurs and their professional advisors dedicated to sharing their expertise with each other within a great networking platform. Today, I'm joined by Lililia Scott of LS Legal Solicitors, and I'm changing my identity from Roy to become Nicholas, the entrepreneur behind my fictitious case study, which formed the framework of our autumn workshops, uh, which Lililia was kind enough to participate in, and which will feature in the forthcoming annual IBSA conference. Uh, I direct our our listeners to read the case study on the IBSA website under the conference page at theibsa.org to fully understand what we will be discussing today. So Lililia, you know the case study, and as as Nicholas, I would like to ask some questions which may help me decide on migrating from the US to the UK, how my wife and children can accompany me, or indeed if they can come uh, to the UK in advance of my expatriation from the US. So now I'm going back a couple of years uh, and just to let you know, in case you don't remember, as Nicholas, uh, I am an entrepreneur with uh, Austrian nationality and I own various companies in Austria and the US. And I plan to create a UK company. So what advice would you give me looking uh, in order to establish a UK presence? post-Brexit, as I am an Austrian national. How can I navigate the immigration complexities to ensure a cohesive working environment for my international team?
1: Uh, Thank you, Roy. Thank you for having me. Um, As you mentioned, my name is Lilia Scott. I'm a managing partner of LS Legal Solicitors, and um, I would be happy to help you as a uh, Nicholas. I think the first uh, thing what we would need to consider is um, uh, where the clients uh, are based. So if you are coming to the United Kingdom from uh, the uh from Austria, from European country, then uh, um, my advice uh, uh, would go one way. However, if you moved to the US and coming from the US to the UK, um, that would go the other way. Um, I think for immigration practitioners nowadays, um, it's very important to understand whether EU nationals established themselves um, in the UK um, before the end of 2020. The date is crucial for EU nationals. So if um, you've only visited the United Kingdom, that will not help us as much. However, if you've planned um, already or attempted to establish the business um, prior to 31st of December 2020, uh, we can look at the more options. Overall, for entrepreneurs coming to the UK, My first advice would be to speak to the tax advisor before you start moving your family and the business into the new jurisdiction. Um, Once um, that is said, the immigration plan is uh, relatively easy. However, it requires lots of um, consideration um, for the company and the family. So I think at at this stage, um, should EU national wish to move to the UK, they would need to have permission to work in the United Kingdom and spend more than six months um, in the year, Uh, which means you will need to apply for visas to remain in the united kingdom so if we're talking about moving the company um, there are a few more categories that would be available to eu nationals um if it's um uh, just a family that's moving in the categories of um, immigrating to the uk would be quite limited
0: well just to remind you actually i did actually move to the us in 2014 and I planned to come over to the UK in 2021. So I was setting up my business in the UK from about 2019 onwards. Um, and I wondered whether I, I could move my wife and children to the UK, who are also Austrian nationals, of course. Um, but they did come with me, obviously, to the United States. So could I move them to the UK before I personally come? Because I've still got some things that I need to to finish off in the US.
1: Unfortunately, it's not as easy um, in 2021 anymore. Um, And the reason being is um, obviously United Kingdom leaving the European Union. Um, If um, you were to decide to move your family to the UK uh, from January 2021, they would require a visa to stay in the United Kingdom, regardless whether they come in from the US as EU nationals all from the European Union. Um, If we are talking about children, again, depending on their age, up to the the age of four, children can apply for student visas. Uh, However, the studies need to be at the private um, educational establishment um, with the permission to work. Um, Up to the age of 12, the children can stay on the student visa and only one of the parents can join them on the parent of a student visa, allowing them just to stay in the United Kingdom with children. Now, what happens when your children turn 12, then the parent needs to leave the UK if they um have not secured another type of visa allowing them to stay there because the idea is that the parent can support the children um, up to the age of 12 and after children turn age of 12 students that that is <laughs> foreign students they would need to go into full boarding um and um, for the parents, then we would need to consider different options. Um, so in the scenario uh, that we have now, um, and to your question, whether the family can move uh, without the entrepreneur, they can, but um, it's a very, very limited option, uh, which does, wouldn't allow a spouse to work for um, okay. one of the parents. Okay.
0: So um all right well I'm planning to to come over anyway so let's assume that uh in 2021 I do make an application uh to come over with my wife and my children um so what's the method that I go about uh, I I have substantial funds um are those funds required uh what sort of levels of uh, of wealth do I need to have in order to be able to get the general visa here
1: There are a few options um, for EU nationals to come to the UK. One of the options is a global talent visa. And um, if um, you you are um, succeeding in uh, the area of your expertise, we can consider this option. Um, because global talent visa would allow you to stay in the United Kingdom um, between three to five years, depending on the type of the global talent visa that you will uh, secure. Um, Your family would be able to come with you as your dependents and they will have the same rights um, as you would would be able to stay here, travel. Um, the category of the global talent visa leads to indefinitely to remain, which would allow you um, to stay in the United Kingdom for as long as you want without any restrictions. The other category we can consider for entrepreneur is innovator visa. Innovator visa um, brings um, migrants that got innovative idea uh, of the business that they wish to set up in the United Kingdom and run. Obviously, there are other uh, requirements that you'll need to satisfy, um, but it's not about the wealth that you've got behind you, even though I must say that the home office fees at present um, are quite high. the home office fees uh, consist of two types of payments. The first one is for the processing of your visa application, um, which is goes to the home office. And the second fees are immigration health uh, surcharge fees. It's a one-off payment that uh, would go into NHS fund, allowing you to use the NHS for free once you are in the United Kingdom. Um recently, uh, the payment that you make towards the NHS um, almost doubled for every year of the visa uh, you're receiving. What is it roughly? Uh, it used to be um, just over £600. Now it's just over £1,100 for every year of visa you are getting. So if you are getting a three-year visa... Um, it's just a one-off payment of at least £3,000 to NHS. The visa fees um, varies depending on the application, but it's in the region of, um, from £750 to £2,000 each for each, um, individual applicant. So, um, I think, um, sometimes for the family when they look into move to the United Kingdom, they need to, Um, put aside at least 10,000, 15,000 pounds um, for the whole family just for the visa fees. Um, Obviously, if you have the legal representatives, that that, that could go up as well. But uh, UK legal fees are not as scary Um, as in the US, for example. So I think uh, at this stage, um, we can consider the global talent visa. We can consider the innovator visa. We can look at the skilled worker visa, which would um, entail you working for somebody or setting up your own business. And uh, if your business requires you as an employee bringing you in, it's a bit more complicated to consider this category. And we, we can talk about it in detail, but it's all down to what structure of the business you're planning to have how many employees you planning to have, and um, what's the intention. I think I would certainly consider the global talent visa, which would um, give you more flexibility as it doesn't um, connect you to – uh, obligation of setting up your own business or working for somebody or working for yourself gives you a bit of a freedom in the United Kingdom and um, again allows um, the the shorter route to indefinitely to remain which is in three years time where all those restrictions would be lifted and you can continue your residence freely.
0: In, uh, are these three different types of visas—the Global Talent Visa, the Innovative Visa, and the Skilled Workers Visa—are they specific for EU? Because you mentioned, you know, since he's coming from the EU, what if he's what? What about US people or Australian people? What's uh, do they have the same visa application
1: possibilities? Yes, it's a very good question. Uh, yes, they would. The short answer. Uh, Australian nationals, um, they uh, might have one more category that would be available uh, for them. Um, It's a youth mobility scheme uh, allowing Commonwealth uh, citizens to come and join uh, the United Kingdom, but it doesn't lead to indefinitely to remain. Um, since uh, United Kingdom left um, the European Union, uh, EU nationals, new EU nationals uh, that haven't uh, had any kind of uh, contact with the United Kingdom or the immigration to the United Kingdom before, um, by thirty first of December two thousand twenty, they are all the same in the eyes of the United Kingdom. Foreign nationals that come into the United Kingdom to work or stay or reside for a long period of time. Okay. So whether it's a EU national or third party, uh, third country nationals, um, any other nationalities that require visa to the UK, they would go through the same process.
0: Now, a lot of countries, as you know, uh, I know Cyprus, Malta, other countries, uh, they have the investor visa where you pay a certain amount of money and uh, that gives you the visa, the right to, to, to go to that. We don't have an investor visa
1: such in the UK? Not anymore. Um, we used to have two very amazing categories uh, uh, available for high net worth individuals. Um, we used to have an investor visa that would require two million pounds investment into the UK company or entrepreneur visa that would require 200,000 pounds investment into your own business or somebody else's business. Um, both of these categories were closed down. Any migrants that started the route, they were allowed to finish it um, to uh, get to indefinitely to a main point or change into a different category. But at the moment, we do not have any investment um, opportunities in the United Kingdom. Instead, we've created um, an innovator's visa that requires – establishment of of innovative business um, that would definitely grow, that would either create 10 full-time positions for local residents for at least a year, or um, the company would would be able to advance the technology that they're developing and obtain intellectual um, rights on the product that they're issuing. Uh, the overall statement of the United Kingdom, we would like to attract um, uh, the brightest and the best into the United That's Kingdom. Me,
0: yeah.
1: That's why <laughs> we have a global talent okay. and um, innovative Visa and um, the government really pushing for these categories. So in that respect,
0: uh, Konstantin, who's my CTO in America and uh, who I brought in from Ukraine actually, um, he, uh, I would like to bring him over to the UK once I'm here. Is that going to be under the skilled workers visa? Do you think I'm? Um, I'm going to have my company, and I, I need to employ somebody like Constantine.
1: Uh, most definitely, I think that would be uh, the most. Um... Cost-effective way for you to um, bring Constantine over
0: to the skilled have, working Yeah, do I have to advertise for UK people to do that job rather than Constantine?
1: Not anymore. It used to be the requirement of resident labour market test previously. However, the government decided that they've cut down on immigration so much. Maybe they would um, let us uh, uh, let's. let let the employers breathe a little bit and uh, lifted the requirement. So at present, once you moved to the United Kingdom and established your business, you will need to apply for a sponsorship license for your company, allowing the company to employ foreign nationals, foreign employees. Once you obtain the license, um, it will be valid for four years. And it doesn't have a limit of how many employees um, you wish to bring. You can find some employees within the United Kingdom that also require the work. For example, there are foreign students. Um, by foreign, I mean EU nationals um, or um, other nationality students that finish their education. Their student visas are coming to an end. Um, you can employ them and they will Uh, be required to go through the skilled worker visa and uh, they can apply from within the country. The requirements are a little bit different, but the route is the same. The license is the same. Anyone coming from the U.S., uh, they would need to apply for a skilled worker visa at the British embassy. Uh, The application will be made online. You will need to prove, though, that the person that you are bringing can uh, satisfy certain requirements. One of the requirements is they actually needed by your company. So it's not the role that you created just to bring the friend over. It's something that the uh, uh, company genuinely require. And once the position been identified, you will need to show uh, person's CV and their work experience and education that would confirm that they can do um, the position that you are taking them on. On top of that, uh, their immigration history needs to be clean. Uh, Any kind of um, previous um, adverse immigration history with the United Kingdom will be taken into account. You need to pay the person this minimum salary as set by the government, by the Home Office, for the position that you are taking them on. So overall, it's not about minimum salary, it's about minimum salary for the position that Home Office uh, thinks is fair. The fact that he's
0: Ukrainian, would that have any uh, benefit in today's world where we're trying to support Ukrainian immigration?
1: I do it myself as well quite a lot. And with um, Ukrainian nationals uh, that coming from Ukraine or resided in Ukraine uh, on uh, January 2022, they can benefit from the Ukrainian schemes. Uh, there are four of them. Um, however, if um, it's someone who has been residing outside the Ukraine for quite some time, they won't be able to benefit from the scheme unless they had a visit visa to the UK um, that was issued by the sixteenth of November two thousand twenty-three, I believe. Then they can switch that visa into the Ukrainian scheme, and unfortunately, Ukrainian scheme doesn't um, lead to indefinitely to remain. It's very uncertain way. Uh, or staying in the UK, but um, it's still amazing route um, that the UK government created for Ukrainians supporting them and the family.
0: Okay, and one of the things that concerns me a little bit is that I'm going for indefinite leave to remain in the UK, assuming that that's the case, Um, but I have businesses outside of the UK, so I travel an enormous amount, and I understand I have to be in the UK during that five-year period for a certain amount of time. Is that correct?
1: The short answer would be yes, that is correct. There is a requirement to stay in the United Kingdom a certain amount of time. Um, The only thing that I would add, uh, you can obtain indefinitely to remain either in three years or five years, depending on which category you've chosen. So global talent, innovative visa, uh, there is a possibility of obtaining indefinitely to remain in three years' time the shortest, uh the shortest period of time. If you're talking about the skilled worker visa, it's five years. Partner visa and some other categories, um, you would need to reside in the United Kingdom for a continuous period of, of five years. Now, continuous period um, residency in the United Kingdom considered to be not broken. Um, and if you are staying in the UK at least six months in any consecutive twelve months period. So, if you're looking at the three years um route towards indefinitely to remain as a global talent migrant, you need to count your days of absences. Say, so if you fly often, we need to know how often you can fly often as long as it's not more than six months in a year. If it's more than six months in a year, you would either extend your visa until you get the three consecutive um, years um, of continuous residence or um, maybe you've had some exceptional circumstances that you can present to the home office and home office has the power of discretion, an exception to the rule and they may admit your explanations. We've had many clients now, that have been absent from the UK for more than they anticipated due to COVID restrictions, some due to personal reasons. Now, at present, the Home Office does not see an exception uh, of you traveling for business, unfortunately. Now, it's all down to you as well, because if your business is very successful and it brings many, Benefits to the United Kingdom, and it is absolutely necessary for you to travel to maintain that business and that benefit. It could be argued that um, the exception should be made in your case. Um, Okay, so so it needs to be considered further. Fine.
0: Well, I'm just about to um, write, switching from Nicholas back to Roy, uh, I'm just about to to write uh, something. Well, actually I wrote it back in, two th- in 1998, I think. It was called The Offshore T- Nightmare. And it was what goes wrong sometimes when you plan complicated tax issues and so on and it goes very very wrong and i just wondered whether you had anything to f- finish off this uh, podcast uh that you've experienced which is similar to the offshore nightmare where where people have done certain things and without realizing it they've got into a lot of trouble
1: um, yes, we've had um, um, well, quite an issue with one of our clients um, in relation to the residents in the United Kingdom, whether they had to spend certain amount of days in another jurisdiction to uh, for the tax purposes, uh, which clashed with our days that they have to spend in the United Kingdom. Yeah. So one of my clients, we would have a meeting every six months where we would review her days and nights in the United Kingdom. Then we will contact her advisors from other jurisdictions and together they will count their days and nights. So we can then work out our plan for the next six months uh, where she would need to travel, live and where she can give instructions uh, towards her business, because as as you know, from the tax point of view, the decision-making also matters in in which jurisdictions you are taking. Um, I must say, it was a very successful case. We have lived uh, through five years uh, peacefully with the client, and at the end, we managed to satisfy immigration requirement of uh, continuous residence and obtained her indefinitely to remain and she kept her tax residency in another jurisdiction. Um, She still was a UK tax resident for the UK purposes because obviously she she spent uh, uh, six months in a year but um, she kept um, exactly what she wanted, two jurisdictions and um, the taxes were uh, that's very,
0: <laughs> very interesting because the double tax treaties, uh, obviously there was a double tax treaty involved. Uh, but normally, if somebody is here for more than six months, uh, that would be difficult to say that they should be resident somewhere else. I'd be very interested in another time we could talk about that. But that sounds fascinating. And yes, the statutory residence test, which determines um, residence, uh, could well be at odds with the immigration requirements. So I do understand that that's um sure. anyway, it's been fascinating um i think it's a a really interesting um sort of uh, understanding of of what my options are um what the family's options are and so on what the employees options are as well so thank you for lilia for joining me today uh, i'm sure Me, as Nicholas, would be extremely grateful for these insights. And I might have some more questions for you uh, at the May conference, which I hope you're going to attend. Uh, Details are on our website at theibsa.org. So I'm now changing back to Roy Saunders. I conclude this podcast by thanking you very much, Lilia, for a fascinating understanding of, of immigration. And thank you to our listeners for listening.